Welcome to A Christian and a Buddhist Walk Into a Bar. My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. I'm Jacob and I'm a Christian. How are we doing this morning, Jacob? I'm doing all right. I've had a bus ride this morning. A bus ride? A, a bus ride into our recording studio here. Very good. The first time, maybe second time since the COVID pandemic. Yes, and as, as uh, those of you with keen ears for audio quality might notice, we are back in the recording studio <laughs> as opposed to at my house with a less uh, less high-tech recorder. Uh, so glad to be back. Hopefully this will be the quality going forward. There was a dog in the background the last couple of episodes. If you catch that, like, let us know. Yes. I, I don't think you can, but look, I haven't look, edited it properly yet. So, <laughs> Look, I, I, I want to make Barrel Bolt a key part of this podcast uh, in some way or another, but we'll, we'll work it out. <laughs> Absolutely. There's, there, there are ways and means. Yes. So, Jamal, this morning we, we came in with a plan of what we were going to record, and then we were just having a bit of a, a chat about life what's going on, you know, how, how things are. Um, and and you were sharing about a few setbacks, I guess, that you've had in your life just recently. And that got us chatting about non-attachment theory and how that you, you found that helping you deal with that. Is that an okay intro? I, I think it's a, that's a great intro. And yes, this is a, um, this is a new, uh, new ground on this podcast where we do not have an article today, but we decided that, hey... Um, we were having a, a fairly interesting podcast-worthy discussion on uh, Buddhist non-attachment and how that applies to life and things. And we thought, you know what, let's just hit record and um, and see where we go with it. So, yeah, um, as you said, Jacob, um, I, I won't go into all the details, but I've had some setbacks recently, uh, mostly in the professional sphere, uh, a couple of things outside of my control that happened that were not great, and a couple of things that, uh, yeah, I found particularly uh, particularly disappointing and, you know, just just generally in the realm of, of shit things that happen at work. Um, Which, like, l- let's be honest, if shit things are going to happen, work is one of the better places sometimes that they can happen. That's true. Well, y- y- yes and no. I yeah. would say that um, yes to the extent that uh, mm. you are still able to survive in the world that the, the shit that happens at work is not so shit that it removes your ability to pay your rent. Yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, or in this instance, thankfully. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, this is, I, I still am able to pay my rent. Um, and so anyway, you asked me a very interesting question. And what was that question, Jake? That, oh, that's a, that's a great, I have to remember uh-huh, the forgot. question now. I got you. It's a, like, like how, how are you, how are you processing, how are you dealing with all of this? Was that, was that the question? Yeah. So, so, um, I, I essentially, I I understood that you'd asked me about essentially how does the Buddhist kind oh, of concept right. yeah. of, you know, the goal of Buddhism being non-attachment, like how does that play out in this kind of scenario, right? Because on one hand, you've got, uh, you know, emotional responses that are going on and ways that you are naturally and psychologically feeling about uh, setbacks or issues in your life. Um, and then you have this kind of Buddhist ideal of just be completely non-attached and, you know, don't actually be swept in by the winds of the world. And like, how do you actually, how do you balance that? And how does that work when you are not, say, completely enlightened and just not attached to everything? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's the question. Like if, it, if it's about, if non-attachment is you know, primarily around getting away from suffering and not being caught up in and, and bound to suffering, um, yeah, how does that 
well, you're obviously you're not a completely non-attached being. Yes, no, you're, I, you're I, here with me. We're I, having I'm a, conversation, a highly attached right? being. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I, I think your point on suffering you, is is a good intro, right? Do you feel like you? Sorry, this is a, a tangent from where we began, but do you feel like you've failed a little as a Buddhist, feeling a, a sadness or or emotions around bad things happening? Um. So the short answer is no. I I don't feel like I failed, and I think this goes to, I guess, what we talk about in uh, in Buddhism being the kind of the path and like the. Mm-hmm. The, the ways in which you progress towards something and it, the acceptance that you're not really until you're very much at the end of the path, you're not where uh, the path professes that, you know, you should be, right? So um, I just want to take you back just a second here because you did talk about suffering. and I think that's sure. an important precursor to all this, right? Which, you know, as I've said many times before, um, the, the kind of the core tenet of the Buddhist teaching, uh, the first of the Four Noble Truths, is that um, you know, the simplest translation is that is that life is suffering, right? Um, it's not to say that life is always terrible, but that life always will inherently have suffering in it. Suffering is inevitable. Things are going to happen. Uh, you know, you can be riding high on... Uh, you know, any particular aspect of your life and then something will inevitably happen and uh, you will you will be disappointed. You will suffer for that. Um, and the entire Buddhist kind of treatise comes out of a attempt to explain and then provide a path out of that suffering. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the inherent premise being, well, yeah, life sucks sometimes. And so how do you how do you deal with that? Um and so I think going to kind of the other point you were making around like, you know, feeling you know, like I've failed potentially or feeling like anyone's failed in the Buddhist path by feeling disappointed or feeling uh, upset about it. Like that concept that when you think about the Buddha, when you think about enlightened monastics, when you think about uh, people who are you know, the most Zen you could ever think of and, you know, anything can happen to them. I, actually, a great example of the... The, uh, the Vietnamese political movement where monks would set themselves on fire. You can mm-hmm. literally sit there yeah. and be on fire and you're just not reacting to it, right? If you think about that level of, um, of calm and equanimity and tranquility, I mean, that is only there as a very, very advanced stage of uh, the, the teaching and the path that Buddhism takes you on. You know, you start at everything sucks and I'm constantly <laughs> reacting to that. And I'm constantly like, you know, if you think about a, a baby that has no kind of mental development or no emotional development, that's just like crying at every single thing that they don't like because, you know, their clothes are uncomfortable. So they're crying about it. I, I have an infant cousin, um, uh, sorry, a nephew at the moment. Um, and he is having difficulty processing bodily functions. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you've noticed. I haven't noticed this with babies before, but when they get gassy at, at either end, they just have no idea what's going on, and it feels yeah. uncomfortable, and they can't do anything about it, and it sucks, and so they just get upset and winch. So they're, they're totally attached to that suffering, I guess. Exactly right, and like, and yeah, you're, you're just responding. You're not actually having any discernment, and you know, it's a very, very long and arduous process to get from that place to the place of being able to set yourself on fire and not particularly show any external signs of caring about that. Um, And, yeah, so, I mean, I think 
the basic acknowledgement here is that it's not at all an, all or nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that you know the Buddhists often refer to the Buddhist path very specifically in those terms because it is a path. It is a process that you go through and you improve little by little, day by day, as to how you respond to it. So, um, if anything, I mean, I would say that you know I've been having a fairly you know, a, a fairly Buddhist-informed response to this a whole series of life setbacks where on one hand I have uh, very much felt the emotions that have been going on. I've felt the disappointment. I've felt the upset and the hurt. I've felt the kind of even the fear to certain extents of like, you know, the unknown and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but what I have been able to do is kind of recognize that those feelings are just feelings and that that my reaction and response of what I do with those feelings has been more tempered and measured, right? So, you know, I'm not walking into work and flipping tables and yelling at people and getting angry at, good. At, at, at the people that caused whatever this scenario is, right? Um, you know, have I been slacking off a bit? Yeah, a little bit because the motivation is not there, right? <laughs> but also, like, I haven't, like, you know, I, I, I'm able to, like, actually – just let that happen and, and let that feeling be a feeling. Um, there, there's, a, there's a really great saying from, I, I don't know, can't remember which monk this is, but, you know, it's this idea that, you know, the, the, the phrase that they ask you to kind of repeat in your meditation almost like a mantra is like seeing is just seeing, feeling is just feeling, thoughts are just thoughts. You know, it's trying to push this idea that it's like, you know, th- they're just things. You know, th- they're not, you don't have to, connect them with all these other things that we stack on top of it and we can strip them back to just the core essence of yeah it's a feeling it is a negative feeling it's a bad feeling it makes me feel particularly uncomfortable and like i want to run away and scream and cry but that doesn't mean that it's anything but a feeling it doesn't have to be anything else and, and it doesn't then have to control you or shape your existence or shape your responses and i guess exactly right yeah it, it's a it's a somewhat more uh, measured response, um, but you're going to fail at that, right? Like, you know, the, you're absolutely going to fail at that. The, um, you know, the, I, th- I think this this is kind of the core point that I was making. I think that the made us go, oh, let, let, let's talk about this on the podcast, which is this idea that, like, it's um, that what Buddhism is doing by presenting you with the end goal by saying, hey, this is where we should be going, is it's not saying you have to have this response right now. But it's trying to counterbalance the instinctive, very human response to cling and attach more to the feelings, right? So mm-hmm. I have a setback, I have a f- negative feeling, and the human response is to go, well, I need to completely run away from this. I need to completely ignore it. I need to completely change everything in my life to make sure I never have this feeling ever again. And what Buddhism is doing, we're saying, well, no, you want to kind of be non-attached. You want to not, you know, when it says non-attachment, it's 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 not saying don't be attached and don't feel things, but it's saying don't be attached to the feelings that are going on. So, yeah, okay. yeah, so, so, so when you have that feeling of fear, don't be attached to the fear. We, which is exactly the same way as we might say, you know, don't be attached to material things or yeah. something like that. It's, it's not that they don't exist. Mm. Like you, you, you can't wish them away, but it's about shaping how you respond to that. Yeah, correct. And um, yeah, and yeah, and 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 that is a process. And some of the 
I would say, especially when you're on the path of that process, because you are engaging with your emotions and your feelings more than your average bear, um, that I've often noticed that people who are going through that process can often be more emotional and more responsive to their emotions because um, they haven't yet gotten through the path to the point where they're able to fully be non-attached to those emotions, but they have gotten enough to that they're fully aware of those emotions in a way that we block out. You know, they, They've stopped binge-watching Netflix whenever they feel sad to numb their emotions, uh, and now they're actually feeling their emotions, which makes them more reactive and more emotional <laughs> about the whole thing because they haven't... You know, you, you still have a way to go before you can actually let that go. There's a there's a theory of learning um, that I've I've come across, particularly you know, around apprenticeship, mm. which is that you go from um, unconscious incompetence, which is where most of us are if we've never done anything before, to then conscious incompetence, which is the the worst possible stage because you're all of a sudden aware of all of the ways that you're doing things badly in a way that you weren't before, and you're not yet good enough to do them well mm. uh, and then you go on to, to conscious competence and then the goal which is actually possibly similar to, to Buddhist enlightenment is unconscious competence mm. where you just you're you're good at in this case um, processing your emotions not being attached to them and all of that and you're not even to the, to the point where you're not even aware of the fact that you are good at doing that mm, absolutely yeah so I've, I've got two questions if yeah, that, please um, one one of which is the blindingly obvious one we'll save that for later but a, a question i think a lot of people have around buddhism as a, a practice and non-attachment but the the first one is does this is there a temptation here when you're learning non-attachment to actually act, actively seek out experiences of emotion um and particularly suffering and things and the, the reason i ask that is there's this weird thing that happens in some parts of the christian tradition um where you know, Jesus Christ suffered and died, right? Like, and and part of the Christian walk is, well, you're joined with Christ, and if if that means suffering, there's been this idea that somehow you're holier if you've suffered. Um, and so, you know, these 14th, 15th century saints have gone out of their way to, you know, wearing hair coats and all the rest of it because they want to suffer because they want to really lean into that because they think it makes them more Christ-like. Now, I, th- I think there's all sorts of there are issues with that in Christianity. There are people in the that nail themselves to a cross on Easter, aren't there? Yeah, I don't know if that's quite the same thing. We yeah. could do a, a whole <laughs> other episode on that. But so, but does that come into it in, in Buddhism or is there, is there at least a temptation there to to lean into sufferings more? Um, so, I, I mean, I'm sure that that temptation does arise um, in, in many people. Um, I... The reason I wouldn't say that that is a Buddhist teaching or something that the Buddhist kind of theology would advocate for is because at the end of the day, you don't have to look for it. It's <laughs> always there. Like, th- this is the whole thing, right? That it's like, if you just attune your mind to observe what's going on, you don't need to go very far to find instances <laughs> of suffering. You know, it's not like I've got to go and deliberately put myself through hardship in order to find suffering, you know. Um, yeah, the Case in point, I live a very comfortable, middle-class, uh, privileged lifestyle, and even I can find a situation, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to be to, to to have to have some deep emotional suffering, right? Um, and um, we always talk about um, in Buddhism, um, we talk about uh, different kinds of suffering, you know, that you that you have um, 
that you have, uh, you know, rich person suffering and poor person suffering and that they're different, right? And it's like, you know, there's not valuing one over the other and absolutely from a kind of social uh, societal standpoint, you know, someone not being able to feed themselves or put a roof over their head is significantly worse than somebody feeling really terrible that their mate has a bigger yacht than them. But but also, but from an emotional individual standpoint, the Buddhist kind of thing is like, well, they're both suffering, right? Like mm-hmm. And like they're both suffering in different ways and absolutely we should uh, do things as a society to try and treat one of those types of suffering significantly more than trying to treat the other type of suffering. But it's also... um it's not like inherently something that like, you know, you know, rich people don't have to go and look for things to suffer. <laughs> we, everyone, everyone can suffer in different ways. You, you don't need to martyr yourself. You, you just need to see what's already yes. kind of going on for you. Yeah, all yeah. you need to do is to learn where to look. Yeah. Um, this, this brings me to, to our joke for the week, actually. Oh, brilliant. You, you, you set me a task of bringing, I've been waiting it, in, for this. Yeah. bringing it in more naturally. So, so here we go. Um, Oh, I'm gonna have to shoehorn this one. This is, a, this is so. Um, a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar, mm-hmm. um, and um, and and they, they rock up to the bar, and there are two women uh, sitting in the bar, and they're both like down in the dumps, right? Uh, so so they go up to the women and they go like, "What what's going on?" Um, and um, and 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 one of the women goes, "Oh, you know, my husband is just like really really pissing me off. Just like he's so annoying. He just doesn't like you know, he just doesn't do anything." Um. Yeah. Yeah. He's just—he's just never helping around the house. He's never helping with the kids. It's, it's just lazy it's just terrible. slacker. He's a lazy slacker yeah. kind of guy. Rah. And the other woman goes, "Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm single, and I just can't find. I can't find a guy to like, to be with. I'm tr- going on all these dates. I'm trying so hard to like have a relationship, but like, it's just, it's just not working. Um. And so, and so, you know, the, the Christian and the Buddhists have a discussion, and they they come back and they go, "Okay, cool. We have a solution." You have a husband that you don't want, and you don't have a husband, but you want one. Why don't you just swap? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've realised now there's no punchline to that joke. That that that's just the <laughs> joke. Uh, and 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 the reason that's shoehorned so badly in is that comes from an actual story <laughs> that a monk of <laughs> monk that I follow has told. Uh, and uh, the lesson here is that Jacob suffers if I don't prepare my jokes any better. <laughs> I need to learn to become less attached yes. to the joke. Well, yeah, know. but, but the, the point being, right, that, that, that in, in that story, right, in that, you know, I'm not even going to call it a joke or it wasn't even a proper joke. An, but, an, uh, an anecdote. At the, at the yeah. anecdote. But in that anecdote, right, the, um, the, the point is that the, um, you know, w- w- one of the women has husband suffering and one of the women has no husband suffering and it doesn't <laughs> matter which one you, you have, you, they're both suffering and they're both kind of struggling and in their own ways. Suffering is subjective as much as we can also look at objective suffering. Yes. Right. Yeah, and yeah. the lesson there is they could swap and then they just swap types of suffering. Yep. You know? Yep. No, totally. So the suffering's there. You, you just need to know where to find it, right? Learn, yes. learn where to look. Um, so then the, the other question is this whole idea of, of non-attachment. Like you talked before about the human response to a suffering situation. Um, to, to get upset to, you know, you could react emotionally you can run away from it you can do whatever does this mean that the buddhist path to enlightenment is about becoming less human Mm, interesting um i i don't think so but i think it is about becoming it's it's about becoming less kind of 
how do I describe this? It, it, it's it, it's not about becoming less human, but I think it's about becoming less um, responsive to kind of the human, um, the, the the human kind of whims. So, right. So 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 actually, uh, I might have to go into philosophy to discuss this one. But like, sure. if, if we think of like kind of this basic kind of duality concept, right? We're talking Descartes, we're talking like, you know, this this mind-body kind mm-hmm. of differentiation, right? Um, it's traditionally, I think a lot of philosophers and a lot of Western philosophers think about this idea that the body is somehow like animal. It is, it's kind of a, a natural uh, thing that, that responds to the inputs of the world and whatever else. So and we the, talk about animal instincts and, yes. and this kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, and that the mind is somehow kind of separate and, um, you know, above and rational and all these... And the mind is both driving and fighting this animal body, right? Yes, yeah. correct. Um, and so, like, you know, in a very simplistic sense, you know, you could make the argument that what Buddhists are saying is that you need to be more mind and less body. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference here, though, is that the Buddhists advocate and say, well, the mind is actually just as animal as the body is, right? That the mind is just as responsive and just as um, uh, as as caught up in the in the kind of the physiological uh, interactions of the world as 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 the body. And so it's like, you know, we're not saying be less human, but I think what we are saying here is like be less automatic like you know mm-hmm. you know it, it, i mean it depends how you define what being human is you know if if if, if you define a whole other podcast episode on it, that exactly right, right. So. but like yeah if you define being human as uh being in the world in a natural unadulterated unfiltered state then okay yeah sure the buddhism is saying be less human i don't know that i would define being human as that though for me being human is it's more of a kind of social communal construct. And I, I don't think that this lesson on suffering really speaks to that in, in mm-hmm. any kind of deep way. But I think what it is saying is, you know, be less, be less animal or as, as actually the, the, the Buddhist phrase goes, there's the, you know, you talk about the story of the monkey mind. I don't know if you've heard, have you heard about the monkey mind? I, I think I have, but you'll have to refresh me. So the monkey mind is essentially a, um, it's a, it's a kind of a way of describing the mind that is untrained or the mind that is that is not at all engaged in the Buddhist path. If you think about a monkey that's just running around, just doing whatever the hell it wants and grabbing a banana and shitting on the floor and like, just doing all sorts of these things. And, um, and a lot of Buddhists, particularly Asian Buddhists, talk about taming the monkey mind. You have to... Tr- you have to tame your mind to not be the monkey that runs around all the time, but to be calm and still. And so, you know, I, I think what, what Buddhism is saying there is, you know, yeah, there is an element of humanity that is monkey mind, that is just this kind of responsive, instinctive thing. And, yeah, you want to be less of that. You want to temper that down. But um, but I think a lot of Buddhists would say, well, you know, part of the core essence of being human is the ability to do that. And it's, you know that what makes us human is that we're not just monkeys running around with monkey minds and monkey bodies and just responding to things that, that to be human is actually to have a level of self-control and a level of um, temperance that, that is unique. And it's actually almost to be more human. Yeah. Okay. And, and so that like that would explain why humans can become enlightened, Mm. but monkeys 
cannot. Essentially, Essentially. yes. Yeah. 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 That that humans humans are – it's funny. So if if you go into like Buddhist um, kind of – you know, into, into Buddhist theology as opposed to in as opposed to religion. If you're going to like the kind of the worldview of like multiple realms and the kind of very um, you know, very supernatural kind of approach to some parts of Buddhism, the, the philosophy rather than the practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, you actually, and I, yeah, I think there's a little bit of self justification going on here, but but um, as with a lot of theology, yes. Yeah. But so supposedly there are something like thirty-two or thirty-six different realms or different types of being you can be, um, and I think being a human is like the tenth from the bottom or something. Like you know, so it's like you've got like animals below, and you've got like you know, and you know, I don't know, like insects, and then like you know, whatever. Yeah. Plants, presumably, yeah, or, yeah. or bacteria, and, and, then, and then hell realms and that kind of stuff. And and being a human is actually not very high up on that list, right? Yeah, like, okay. like, you know, being a human is not like you know, it's much. There are much more like gods and devas and kind of you know, in you know, uh, holy beings that you can be than a human. But human being a human has a very unique place in that in that kind of pantheon because what they say is that being a human is the perfect place from where you can get enlightened because you know if you are if you are living in the heaven realms life is too good there's not enough suffering mm. that you can't actually learn the lessons you have to learn in order to let go of the suffering and if you're in the lower realms you don't have the level of awareness to actually you know to to engage and learn those lessons so the human human being is the sweet spot because if you're a human, then you, you're you still existing in the world that there is all this suffering going on. And so you're driven to actually change something because you just hate the fact that there's so much suffering. But you have enough awareness and enough kind of cognitive ability to actively engage and learn and work out how to get out of it. So, you know, that's why being a human is the best, even though it's really <laughs> not the best. That's a, And there is a whole other podcast episode on this, yeah. I think, on on what it means to be human because there are definitely um, some similarities and differences, if I put it that way, with mm. the Christian theology. Well, so um, I, I'm really interested here, right? So I, I've been talking for, you know, 25 minutes on yeah. on the Buddhist side of this, but like, what is the Christian side of this? Like, So obviously, you know, we have this idea that Jesus suffered and that that, that is there's a level of, um, of Jesus having taken on a lot of the suffering of the mm-hmm. world through that. But, I mean when it comes to individual instances of suffering and how to respond to that and like, you know, what is the, you know, whether you should be attached or not attached or whatever else, like, you know, what, what does, what does Jesus say? What would Jesus do? What would, well, I mean, Jesus suffered. That's, that's kind of the answer to that question in a lot of ways. Um, There's, I, I don't think I can unpack this adequately in the three or four minutes that, that we've got left. Uh, we, we, we can make this a long one. If, you, yeah, okay. if you've got something to say, we can drag it. But, but it, it relates to this, um, the conception of sin, ultimately, if we want to look at Jesus' suffering and what does that mean. Um, because to to say that Jesus suffered once and for all, right, which is a, a Christian statement of faith, is um, it is self-evident that there is ongoing suffering in the world. Um, and so what that means is that Jesus has dealt with the ultimate consequences of suffering, which ultimately is, is death, right? Like that's the, that's the suffering from which there is no way back or no way through or whatever. Um, and 
in Jesus on the cross, God himself suffered through death, but came through the other side. Um, so there's this idea of somehow being in Christ, um, that, that Christ is with you, God is with you in your suffering. So which means on the one hand, you're not bearing it alone. Um, and on the other hand, is this sense that at the, at the end of suffering, there is always redemption. Um, there's, there's always something on the other side. It's, it's never nothingness. I, I don't want to say it's, it's never meaningless, but that's, that's kind of the, the direction it has. And so St. Paul says that um, you must have the same mind as Christ Jesus, um, who, even though he was uh, in the very form of God, took on the form of a servant and a slave and suffered even unto death, uh, and then God raised him up and exalted him and, and everything else. So it, it's that that kind of that emptying out rather than avoiding suffering. Yeah, so, so it sounds like what you're saying is like you, you accept that the situation sucks, you accept the suffering, but you persevere with it because there is a purpose to it, essentially. Yes and no, and this, and this is where it gets tricky, right? Because suffering is a sign that the world is not as it should be, mm. and that's not okay. Um, and so it, it's not a case of just sitting in the suffering and staying in the suffering. And, and actually, if, you, if we want to talk about, like, what did Jesus do with the suffering – um, is he wandered around healing people and casting out demons and the the language that's used in the gospel accounts is that he was bringing the kingdom of God, right? Like he was embodying God's kingdom, which is ultimately the, the destiny of the world and the destiny of humanity that we've fallen way, way short of because not, not because we've... Um, uh, how, how did you put it around the, the not not because we're we're um, because we're not perfectly in touch with the world and ourselves as we should be so we don't relate to the world and ourselves as we ought to um, and Jesus comes actually relating to the world and himself and other people as we ought to um, and so he's he's all about healing, forgiving people who either can't forgive themselves or whose society won't forgive for things that may or may not be their fault that they've brought around. So so he he breaks suffering in a whole lot of senses, but he ultimately breaks it by suffering himself. Yeah, okay. So, it's, it's a, so there is a kind of – the suffering exists in the world. It is there and – Jesus kind of becomes the arbiter of it, – it, it's, it almost sounds like Jesus is the, the vehicle with which we process the suffering, you know, in one way or another, right? Like Jesus mm. either engages with it and forgives it and lets it go or he takes it on and says, you know, okay, well, I'm going to take this suffering so that other people yeah. don't have to. Well, and, and he actually it, – it's it's both at once, right? It's not an either or, mm. it's a both and. And, and I would say that – Jesus isn't just how we deal with suffering, but it's how God deals with suffering. And so when Jesus is wandering around healing sickness and forgiving sins and casting out demons and all of that, 
he is in some real way taking on that suffering onto himself. Like when, when it when it goes from the person, it has to go somewhere. There's this <laughs> there's this story where Jesus is um, casting out demons um, from this this poor bloke who's had them for many years, um, and he asks, "What's the wh- what is your name?" to the the demons, and the demons respond, "Legion," because they're many. Um, and he casts them out of this this man, and they say, "Well, like, don't just let us." you know, wander around in this half-life, like give us a new home. And so he sends them into a, a herd of pigs. Uh, and the herd of pigs, as soon as the demons come into them, just run headlong into the river and all drown themselves. Um, there's a, it's a interesting story that we could unpack on a whole number of layers. But one of the things that it shows us is that the, the suffering and the evil has to go somewhere. Um, and especially in the, the context of Jesus' ministry, when he's... Um, when he's forgiving sins and casting casting that out, th- he has to become unclean within the schema of the time in order to associate with unclean people, right? Because just a- any association, well, we, we could say any association with suffering actually brings suffering. So if um, if I've got a friend who's lost their home or something like that, right, if I'm going to actually empathize with them and walk with them on the journey i'm going to suffer some at least vicariously in that um am i am i making sense yes i think yes i think i think we are there are so many more questions there's so many more this is what i mean there's a whole 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 other other podcast no look this is making sense and um and yeah, I, I think it's an interesting conversation topic. Um, now we have kind of run out of time for this particular episode, um, but um, I would like to say thank you for kind of uh, sharing that and giving us the opportunity to 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 try this out. And and by you, I mean the listeners who are putting <laughs> up with us rambling, rambling through this. So you know, um, th- this is what happens when we don't have structure and don't have an article to to base ourselves off. But um. I think it's um you know it, it it's it's been fun it's been a good opportunity to explore a different uh, different way of doing it and um and send us an email and and let us know what you think let us know if you'd like more episodes where we randomly talk about things that pop into our heads or whether you'd like to you'd like us to to stick with uh with the um with with the more structured conversation topics uh we can be contacted at christian buddhist bar at gmail dot com that is right and we'd also love to know any questions that um, you might have about anything we've talked about today, right? Like was there something that we Jamal or I threw out as a throwaway line where you're like, man, I want to know more about that or what did they mean when they said this? Um, We can dig into those in future maybe. So thanks for your time. Thanks for being with us on a Christian and a Buddhist walked into a bar. Our music is by Kevin McLeod, as always. Thanks, Big Kev. And we will see you next week, um, hopefully with a bit less suffering for you. (laughs) Thanks, Jamal. See you then. Bye.